0: Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. We are here to shift the paradigm of business and marketing and social media in this digital age of infinite possibility and bridge our inner technology, our intuition, with outer technology through rituals, personal development tools, conscious business practices, spiritual tools, and the magical tool of social media. I am your host, Xenia, a storyteller, conscious social media teacher, speaker, and a multidimensional traveler. Welcome to the new paradigm. Welcome back to Woken Wired, and welcome back to the expanded consciousness and plant medicine series on Woken Wired. Today my guest is Jasmine Jenkins, who is one of my favorite people in the world and a dear friend and an incredibly powerful healer and guide. Jasmine is an integrative grief guide and the founder of Fall Up, a community created to support people navigating the spectrum of grief. In her work, she brings her clients into the invitations within their grief journeys Jasmine believes that healing is a co-creative process, and it is her deepest joy to support each person she works with in welcoming grief as a profound invitation to transformation. So Jasmine is the person who introduced me to ayahuasca, the vine or the vines that are used to make the psychedelic brew that... Leads to profoundly life altering experiences. In this episode, we don't get very much into what ayahuasca is. We don't get much into science. Instead, we get into sharing our personal journeys with this plant medicine. We start with Jasmine sharing how she got into the world of plant medicine and what were some things that were initially holding her back. We talk about how it has helped her heal her wound, and grief from losing her mother and losing her brother. We talk about alchemizing grief into the joy of being present. We talk about redefining grief, about inviting in miracles. Jasmine guides us into the four invitations of grief, which is the framework that she received as a divine download. And we finish the conversation on a very, very powerful Note in a very powerful portal of being present with and embracing avoidance of our own feelings as a pathway to awakening. If you share takeaways from this episode, I would love to see them. Please tag at Woken Wired and at Jasmine. And if you're curious to dive deeper into the world of plant medicines and expanded consciousness, Check out episode 122 with Paul Austin, all about microdosing, as well as episode 123 with certified Campbell practitioner Rebecca Naylor, and episode 124 with Talia Eisenberg, an Ibogaine advocate who was mentioned several times in this interview because Talia and Jasmine are friends as well. I have a very special episode coming out next week, something different. It's a random show where Michelle of Holisticism and I recorded a very raw and real conversation about what's keeping us up at night around our own businesses, about intuitive business, what's been working for us, what's not been working, things we're experimenting with, and we'll also be announcing a very, very exciting workshop that her and I are co-creating together. It's something very different from anything I've ever done, and it's going to be such a powerful one-day portal of setting the foundation straight and deep into 2021. So stay tuned for that. I will be announcing that on Instagram as well as here on the podcast. For now, here's Jasmine Jenkins. Enjoy. All right. You might have heard me speak on the podcast lately a lot and on Instagram stories actually too about co-creating with the divine, about inviting in miracles. And today the source of those phrases is now in the podcast. Jasmine Jenkins, one of my dearest friends, the person who was there for my engagement, the person who's visited me at the tiny cabin and the person who has introduced me to the world of plant medicines. Jasmine, I'm so honored and excited to have you on for this uh, conversation that will be fully guided by spirit. And welcome to Woken Wired. Thank you so much, Ksenia. I'm so honored to be here. And yeah, I have full body gratitude
1: vibrating through my body to be here with you.
0: I didn't even realize until I started talking that you were the source of plant medicine world for me. So, that said, why don't you, why don't we start with you telling us your plant medicine story and how it called you in and how your relationship with it has evolved, how it's impacted your life. And we'll see where the conversation goes from there. So, it was a whisper at first. I met one of my
1: dear friends, Talia, who you have had as a guest on Woken Wired. I met her in the desert in Arizona in 2009, where I was at a healing center, um, healing from the sudden and traumatic loss of my brother to suicide. And there was something about her that I just knew that she would lead me into something, and I wasn't sure what it was. Fast forward to 2015. She connected me to a shaman. And I had at that point done a significant amount of healing work. I believe that the invitation to heal is always present as long as our eyes are open and our feet are in this world. So she connected me to a shaman. And to be honest, as I think you know, the first, our first conversation, I really kind of left it at thank you, but this isn't for me. You know, the idea of, it just my it was a total egoic response I'm not you know I'm not dressing up in white and like gonna be potentially throwing up, which is obviously all about getting well but at the time it was just like
0: thank you so much but this is not this is not for me can we actually go a little deeper into why this is not for me because that's a story that I guess the majority of the world is living and I just want to go a little deeper into those reasons for you of why you thought that wasn't for you besides, you know, the discomfort of purging, the wearing white outfit, what were some of the other things that were preventing you from entering that world that was calling you in? Such a beautiful question. And it was most likely, I didn't have the
1: wherewithal at the time to probably articulate it. But in reflecting back on our first conversation in 2015, it was a fear of being out of control, which, haha, we're never really fully in control. So it was totally a fear of, frankly, being in a room with strangers, taking, I, I lead a very clean life. I don't drink. I don't smoke. Like it felt completely, completely vulnerable to me. And yeah, it was truly, Ksenia, all about really fully being out of control. And, and then this whole idea that that can become in itself this prayer of healing. And I wasn't ready for that. That is what I wasn't ready for was that full surrender of healing that we really are inviting when we're co creating with the spiritual, mystical medicine that is available to us in the field of plant medicine.
0: Ooh, yes. There's so much there about that fear of fully surrendering. You know, I completely. Relate to that and resonate with it. For me, it was this idea of if I let go and if I lose control of some of my senses, and if I can't control how people perceive me anymore, what's going to come out? What are people going to see and what are they going to say about me? You know, it was this fear of judgment, which is something that I teach others, you know, to overcome, to have this courage to be seen and share your medicine in the world through social media and beyond. And one of the reasons I do it is because that's something I've worked with myself. It's this fear of my true self being seen. And interestingly enough, in those ayahuasca experiences that I've had, that you've opened the door for me, I connected to my inner child that has all the sides. And one of the sides is the hilarious Joker one. A lot of the time, it's kind of hidden, locked up. But when my walls are down, And I'm connected to my spirit. I remember just making jokes in those ceremonies and like cracking myself up. And I didn't care what anyone else is going to think. Is anyone else going to laugh? It was just this existential joy of being connected to my playful spirit. Absolutely. And you are reminding me.
1: I love that so much. And as you're speaking to that, I'm thinking of you and your affinity for troll dolls (laughs) And that night that we did sit next to each other, because I think we went to a few ceremonies and intentionally didn't sit next to each other. And then there was one where we did um, and you were really present with your experience and was coming forward. And then you just hopped up and you were like, give me the fucking egg. <laughs> the yeah, we had I these, that. Yeah, these beautiful... Um, crystal sort of eggs to obviously meant to ground you in your your heart and breath as you're navigating through the the waves that that are true for a traditional grandmother medicine experience and you were really in it and then you just
0: totally surprised me and I was like oh there she is (laughs) that's so interesting because it's an ongoing theme in my psychedelic experiences standing up for what I need and for what I need to be supported and in the moment A similar experience came up in my 5 MAO DMT experience where I remember laying there and it's two male guides and I was cold and I wanted my feet to be covered up. And there's part of me that's just like factually, my feet are cold, I want to be covered up. And I didn't have that, it sounds so simple yet, it felt so difficult for me to say, please cover up my feet. It felt like getting out of my, I can do this myself story and co-creating with other beings in their room. So instead, in the moment, I caught myself saying, I'm cold. So it's like this energy of kind of stating a fact and complaining versus open-heartedly, I guess, in this very feminine, playful way saying, I would like to be covered, you know? And it's just, I'm, I'm just now realizing this is the same thing that happened with that crystal egg. It was with you, I felt comfortable asking for exactly what I want. And you are one of the first people, even outside of psychedelic experiences, where I started cultivating this conscious relationship as I spent some time living with you in New York City when I was nomadic, cultivating this open and honest communication of what's working, what's not working, what I need, setting boundaries. And so with you, it felt safe. And my one prayer for everyone is to exercise that open communication, whether that's with your own spirit and with others. Because that's in my experience how we really liberate ourselves. And psychedelics can be a way to see those patterns that we go through life not seeing. Absolutely. And to your
1: speaking to that experience of being cold and the hesitation around really acknowledging the needs, but then that that trepidation around expressing them. It's, you know, that's the whole experience of being in the expansive field of plant medicine is remembering that the healing is in receiving. And when we can come to the ceremony from that place of open hearted surrender, then, you know, the real work, as you know, is the integration. It's the ceremony is just a metaphor for life. So bringing that same open hearted surrender to our breakfast in the morning, to our coworkers, to the teams that we're leading.
0: All right. So rewind. You (sighs) thought that ayahuasca and plant medicine was not for you. Once you got over, how did you get over those reasons that your brain was making up why it's not for you? And what called you in? And how was it? And what happened? Two-part
1: answer, rather. One, I saw, I think there's nothing like witnessing witnessing the medicine at work in a beloved. And I witnessed that in my dear friend, Talia, who I spoke to earlier, who is now part of your uh, lineage in plant medicine as well. And so it was seeing the way in which the kind of majesty of of plant medicine had brought her into this beautiful place of, of being in the world. And Talia speaks openly about this. She really transformed her addiction through plant medicine, and it was a profound gift to witness that in her. Something that I wish that my brother, my late brother had had the opportunity to experience the grace of plant medicine. So it was seeing Talia, and then my real reason for for attending the initial ceremony was I really went in thinking, this is going to save my relationship. So my too long of a long-term ex-boyfriend at the time He'd read a piece in the New Yorker about ayahuasca and he was more or less like, uh, can you call up that shaman that I know you're connected to? And maybe, maybe we can go to a ceremony together. And I, you know, my ego was really just thought, okay, finally this, like, this is going to be the thing that's going to save our, you know, our broken relationship. And what I was really shown in that ceremony was that it was, You know, the saving that needed to happen was the saving of myself, and really so clearly saw that that relationship was not in any way in highest alignment with my spirit. This is for anybody who's already in the field. You know that so often you come in with an intention, and then if you're working with grandmother or any, you know, you're always shown what you need to be shown. And I was truly. I remember looking over at the room at him, wondering like, is he ever going to start emoting or, (laughs) and I know he, I know he had a very powerful experience. You know, I hope that it continues to be meaningful for him, but it was just this really profound juxtaposition of looking over at him with his arms folded in front of his chest and just kind of in this indignant posture. And I felt immediately in communing with her medicine such reverence and, and profound gratitude and an openness to be shown what I needed to see. And that was part of what I needed to see, was that this is not an energy that I could co-create with. So it, you know it was, I really felt, it felt for my first ceremony felt like a homecoming. Everybody has their own unique experience, but it really felt like a homecoming to, and back into my heart.
0: So how do you integrate that?
1: well <laughs> i think that is an is a thing if you will that i endeavor to integrate with every day integrating with creating a home in our heart and you know part of as you know one of my ways to to stay open to that is with your heart bowl like starting in the morning with love bringing that in but you know, that was my plant anniversary, <laughs> was five years ago. And I think so much of the invitations to my integration were really just, as you and I talk about often, shedding through those skins. And there's a beautiful Elizabeth Gilbert quote where she talks about, you know, a snake when it's shed its skin on the path, never does it go back to look for the old skin. And what grandmother medicine Brought me into was this consistent and sacred shedding, shedding this story that I had to tough it out with this person because we had been through so much together. You know, he was with me when I got the news about my brother's passing, and he was, you know, he wrote me a letter every day that I was in the healing center. Like there was a, this person was not all, we're never all one thing. It's just that he wasn't in highest alignment for me. So to answer your question, the first aspect of, Integrating into the home within my heart was really to say, Thank you. You are not my person and my partner. And even though it wasn't my decision, it was surrendering to the inner knowing that I'd had for so long, surrendering into my intuition, which of course this field will bring you into such profound communion with your intuition. But that was really the first big skin that I had to shed was the story that. Because we'd been through so much together that it we had to white knuckle our way through the rest of our lives together. And then, you know, the other skins of work and all of it slowly just letting them go, letting them blow into the wind and coming more
0: into deep in presence with life. Yeah, you mentioned that your first ceremony was like a homecoming, and you also mentioned that it's different for everyone. It is very different for everyone. The lessons come through very different for everyone, even just, you know, for me, my first ceremony, I didn't go that deep into visions, you know, the psychedelic visions, it was very gentle and soft. But what I did get connected to was my inner child. And I was given very, very, very clear specific steps on how to integrate. And those steps were no caffeine whatsoever for three weeks. (laughs) get a ticket to fly to Russia back then i had a full time job so i had to figure this out fly to Russia and you, you know be in the presence of your family and you know i came out of this in the morning and i thought hey, is this real did i actually did i make this up is this an actual assignment i need to take on and i did end up taking it seriously and i keep learning every day whether that's through plant medicines or just connection with the source we have to take those signs and those assignments at that guidance seriously because if it's in our field of awareness there's a reason why it is and the reason it's being given now is because we're ready and for me following through even though I didn't know why or how it would work I flew back to Russia I surprised my family and for the first time in my life I had a conversation with my mother about her own wounds growing up about her relationship with her mother and what got passed down in that lineage and through having that space in my heart to ask those questions, to listen and be with it. It just gave me a whole new relationship with my mom and my family. Like I didn't even know it was possible. So wow. Thank you, Plant Medicine. And thank you, Jasmine, for opening up that door into this work for me in a safe way. Such a joy, Husania.
1: Such Such a joy. And I remember the morning after that ceremony and I'm smiling so big right now. I know we can't see each other, but I'm sure you can, you can feel that in my energy because I, I just felt such, it, it just, I knew that you would come in and that you would, it would be a field that would be so enlivening for you. And then when you woke up and you're like, I've got, I, you know, I got a very clear message that I need to go to Russia. And I, I just was like, yeah, of course you do. Of course. You know, if like, you know, the late, great Ram Das said, if, if we think we're enlightened, or if you think you're enlightened, go home and spend a week with your family. And I think that that was spirit calling you into the place of you know, the greatest teachings, our family system. So I'm, I'm so, so glad that that was the first
0: big invitation for you. And I also want to be real. It's not that every experience is... So enlightening and so heart opening every step of the way. There's also shadow and darkness that we face. And for me, probably for the majority of the experience, outside of those glimpses into truth and guidance, I spent, I was sitting next to this person that I found extremely attractive. And our mats were next to each other. And ayahuasca, as you might know, you know, it causes you to purge, in other words, vomit or get better, as Jasmine, you would say. And I was so self conscious that I would start vomiting next to this really attractive, handsome guy that I spent the majority of the time wondering, you know, like, how can I control my body? How do I make sure he finds me attractive? How do I make sure he likes me? And that was just such a representation of a lot of the wounds that I experienced as a child and young adult. And it's beautiful and rough that those shadow aspects do get magnified. And I think that's where, like you said, the integration and looking at that is what creates space for whatever can be let go of to be let go of. Yes, so that we can be in highest
1: alignment with life and our hearts. And I believe that we get to be in highest alignment when we're living from our heart place and all of the layers and the shedding and you know, the invitations to integrate are about coming back into presence with the heart. So yeah, that's, that's the, the dance, right? That dance of integration every day and remembering like you've spoken to some ceremonies or journeys, depending on your language and your lineage, some are really, really intense and they'll make you, they'll make you face the most unappealing version and story that you are still attached to so that you can release it and create like you've just spoken to create that space that opening for expansion and aliveness
0: how is your life different before and after plant medicine entering your life
1: such a good question as always i will try to be as focused as possible with this answer firstly i I really came into and have come into presence with my own wholeness as a result of receiving the profound healing of plant medicine. And I don't just sit with the grace of grandmother medicine. I also sit with other medicines just to be clear about that and also want to acknowledge that there's a wheel of plant medicine. So there's medicine that supports your healing and body and mind and spirit and heart, but I really, it really allowed me to shed. As I've said, that's really the theme with this medicine: is shedding and integration and expansion and letting go of the attachments. That's that was a profound part of that has been a profound part of my healing. So, as I said, when we kind of first started our conversation, I had been on a very deep healing journey and have been since 2009 when my brother died and. So it was already six years in and I had a really strong blueprint, but there was still a layer of my grief, grief from when I was 15, when my mom died, and then 25, when my brother died, there was a layer of grief that I still couldn't access with traditional methods of therapy. And it was truly through plant medicine that I was able to get to that deepest layer of my grief and alchemize that grief into the joy of presence and that to me when you ask for like what is the the before and after it's the joy of presence it's the understanding that all of this is ephemeral and truly coming into presence with the greatest teaching of grief, which is that joyful presence with impermanence um, and that flow with with life and holding, Holding life, all of it, with open heart hands, is and has been the greatest invitation for me that has come from sitting with this potent medicine. So nothing outside of me defines me, and you know I'm defined by the wholeness that exists within. And then I co-create with the divine, with God, to bring in what feels in highest alignment. For me to have in my life. So, I would say those are the two greatest
0: gifts. So, I want to dive a little bit into the how and the practical side of it. How, you know, you go into these psychedelic experiences, you have very powerful realizations and tasks and guidance. And then, how do you integrate it into your daily life? Perhaps, what are your daily practices or prompts that you follow to keep tapping into that presence? In your personal life, but also in your life as an entrepreneur and an investor and an integrative grief guide.
1: Thank you. Yeah. So I would say, you know, part of the the shedding, this crescendo of shedding was really leading me into this place where I received a calling very clearly after having that experience that left me in a bit of an ineffable state where I was like, Wait, I don't I'm no longer burdened by my grief. And the etymology of the word grief traces back to burden. And unfortunately, that's so often the feeling that's associated with a grief. We feel that individually, individually, and then we feel that in the collective. And my integration, Ksenia, as you know, has was really letting go of the, the work role that I felt like I needed to, for whatever reason, the roles and then Saying okay, if I'm being asked to serve people in their grief, then I need to sh- like show up and and ask the divine how how to do that. And that has been and continues to be the greatest integration with plant medicine is that you know plant medicine brought me into my calling of serving people in their grief. It was because it was through the grace of this medicine that I was able to put. You know, like Marion Williams has says, what we put onto the altar is altered and everything that no longer served me around my grief story, I was able to put on the altar. It was taken from me. The divine did for me what I could not do for myself. And really was able to take a full exhale and say, Okay, lead me to where you need me. And it's this field of grief. So my my act of integration is now in supporting People one on one through their grief journeys and then through the circles that I offer. And, you know, part of the integration as well, Ksenia, is bringing people into my field, friends, family, or otherwise that are in energetic alignment. Because as you know, when you are in this field, you become that much more sensitive and attuned. And yeah, so that's a, a big thing is not. Not allowing people in who who are in in alignment with my
0: body mind heart or spirit i e boundaries boundaries I'm so glad you're bringing this up, so what is your experience with that like? because as I mean it has to do with plant medicine, but I think it's even beyond that as we grow into ourselves and onto our past, we attract certain people who we resonate with and we go totally separate ways with others. What is your experience with it and perhaps learnings around boundaries? Well, this is a deep field. This is the field of plant medicine is a field for
1: courageous hearts and courageous hearts is, that is how I greet my, my clients and those who come to my circles. And for me, it's, I just have no appetite for shallowness of friendship anymore or of really anything. So this being in this field has really just brought my circle in to be that much more intimate and precious. So that's been a big part of it and I just I really only have an appetite for people who are willing and friends who are willing to shine a light into the shadows and integrate with the shadows with grace and humility and courage of spirit, because that's where the beauty, that's where there is the beauty.
0: Now, when someone comes to you and asks you about plant medicine, how do you know if they're ready? Well, there are a couple of ways to answer this question. Firstly, I would say, and I think it's
1: really important to note that plant medicine is not for everyone, just as a matter of safety. And I know that if somebody comes to me, I We'll ask them what their intention is. What is it that they're feeling? What is being called forward to be healed from a spiritual perspective? Things come forward so that they can be healed. And I think grief is often a, an experience that brings people to their knees and gets people asking, okay, there's got to be another way to do this. So I think intention is a really clear indicator of of whether or not a person would do well to go into the field and start exploring it for healing and really getting a sense of where they are on their mental health journey is really important as well. As I said, first and foremost plant medicine is not for everyone and that's okay and also I think there's an important caveat here that we are talking about psychoactive plant medicine, and there's also plant medicine and flower essences and and tea as well. And good Absolutely. Yes. And there are many other things that are not in the forefront of my heart, mind right now, but it's all about intention and then really having some direct questions about mental health and- Um, what that journey has looked like for them. That's a really important indicator of whether or not there is a readiness of spirit.
0: And what are some resources that you would send people to recommend who feel the inkling are not yet ready to dive into it, but wanna learn more more about this world? It's an interesting question because so much of plant medicine
1: ironically it happens in the shadows, right? It's it's work of healing and integrating with the shadow and it's still for many reasons in the shadows. But if you if you want to kind of dip your toe into a community that's active and, and is open, is, there's a thank you plant medicine movement that started this year and they have a big and active group. I have obviously mixed feelings about Facebook, but they have a very active and welcoming group On Facebook, you can bring your questions to Thank You Plant Medicine, and you'll find that it's a group of people who are operating in integrity with their medicine journeys and who are happy to support the seeker
0: in finding a pathway that may be aligned for you. Beautiful. And I know for me, after hearing about plant medicines for a while, the thing that really Tipped the scale for me and blew my mind open was the documentary, The Spirit Molecule, DMT, The Spirit Molecule. So, if you're a visual learner and want to watch a documentary that lays out the scientific and the medical side of the incredibly powerful impacts of plant medicines, I would say that it's an amazing place to start. I know that's been really expansive for you. And the other thing
1: I would say is just, you know, putting the intention out there. Practicing that courageousness of expression. And, you know, I sometimes with quilt, which is a, an app for audio conversations. I'll sometimes lead plant medicine chats on quilt just to support women who are seeking on their journey. And then women will reach out to me and I'm happy to point women in the right direction, but just letting your friends know. I live in Los Angeles. Everyone knows at least a couple of shaman in Los Angeles. But as with anything, it's about making sure that your integrity radar is up as it's, it's also the beginning of co-creating with the, the shaman or the community that you're meant to be co-creating with is all about what we're coming into receiving, which is healing. So that asking for your, your desire, um, putting it out there and saying, you know, I'm, I'm getting curious about plant medicine and. And noticing if you have shame about it, I notice that that is often a theme for some people like, well, I guess I can't really do this on my own. And I, you know, I'm I think I'm open to more than just uh, Netflixing and having my edible gummy or whatever, you know, the the pattern has been that you realize no longer serves. So, yeah, just befriending your interior space with your words. Think is a great way to start if you have a curiosity about plant medicine.
0: Yes. And, you know, now that you speak to this, I'm realizing that I have a feeling that very soon the topics of plant medicine and psychedelics will be that sort of taboo blanket will be lifted off and it will become a lot more common. But I think. From an evolutionary standpoint, there's a reason why it's not readily available and why it's in the shadows is because the consciousness of the humans and the stories that we're living by is still evolving to a place where we can safely, consciously, and intentionally commune with those medicines that are now proven to have been used for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. There's this book that recently came out by Brian Murarescu, who was a guest on Joe Rogan's podcast. Uh, showing the links between psychedelic medicines and all of the roots of Western civilization. So there's more and more proof that there is going to be coming out both from studies of ancient times but also from new studies that are happening now proving the potency and the power of the healing that those plants can bring to us. So I think right now the work that's being done is is raising our consciousness as a collective to a level where we can consciously, safely, and intentionally co-create our lives with those medicines. Absolutely. There are many
1: reasons why plant medicine needs to remain in the, the grace of the shadows. So.
0: so I know that for you, you not only are a vessel for this medicine for your own life, you've been a vessel for many others to discover it and now you are training to serve the medicine yourself. Is that right? Yes. Not with. So when I came into
1: the field of plant medicine, I came in through the Shapebo lineage. And I'm actually studying Shapebo right now out of respect for the way in which this medicine has blessed my life in such a deep way. It's very. Can you speak to what the Shipibo lineage is? Sure. So Shapebo is the third most. We're talking about language, the third most spoken language in the Amazon, and the Shipibo tribe is an indigenous tribe that many people have sought out ayahuasca through. And the Curandera that blessed me into this particular lineage. She's based in the Northeast, but she studies. Will continue to keep studying and leading pilgrimages there. And it's part of, Shipibo is part of my lineage. But in terms of your question, the apprenticeship that I'm doing now is with a different lineage, also Peruvian. And this, where a tradition, where the ceremonies that you and I have attended together are very much about, you you know, being present with yourself, being present with spirit. This lineage is much more open and conversational and about belonging. If you're familiar with Richard Rohr, one of his teachings is that everything belongs. And that's what this particular lineage brings its community members into. So my intention in studying this in a more formal way is to bring my clients, um, those who feel called into plant medicine, as a way of supporting them in alchemizing some of those deeper layers of grief into plant medicine when they feel called. But it won't be, it's a journey and it's something that I'm studying right now. And I'm really so excited as I think about the way in which the grace of this medicine will empower so many people and coming back into their hearts because grief will take us out of our hearts and will take us out of trusting li- our lives and and trusting the divine and this all the whole field is really about coming back into trusting our hearts and trusting the divine and surrendering even and especially through the uncertainty so yeah that's kind of a snapshot of the
0: other side of what I'm called to do in my work. Studying plant medicine is not like studying, you know, let's say journalism. You go to school, you get a <laughs> degree, you become a journalist. There's so many layers to it. So I'm just so curious about in your learning about holding that space and working with those plants. Like that's. The true ultimate co creation with the divine, because there's so many unpredictable things you like, you never know where your journey will go as a participant, probably as a human who holds space. You also have to just be with what's coming up and have no expectations. So, what are you learning about the multi dimensionality of plant medicine as you dive into the back end of things? Truly learning to see at
1: a soul level. And seeing, you know, as people are breading themselves with the anticipation of their intentions for a ceremony, kind of looking around and assessing the room, it's, I really am continually invited into the presence of witnessing others at a soul level and witnessing with such profound gratitude, the growth when each of these ceremonies is a prayer and it's a, they're a prayer of return and of restoration. And I, part of seeing others at a soul level is being willing to have the mirror held up. And, you know, when people like all of my clients in the field that I'm in, in, in the field of, of grief, restoration, they're all mirrors for me. And in that same way, everybody that I am blessed to support in the field of plant medicine—they're all mirrors for me as well. So, everybody coming into truth, Ksenia, with the fact that everybody gets to be a lighthouse on our path when we can let go of what they're wearing, what they're how they're sitting, and just truly tapping into. The soul of the other person, because um, that is how the miracles happen the miracles of presence, the miracles of forgiveness, the miracles
0: for the gratitude of just being here. Mm, that, that is so beautiful. What are your thoughts on speaking about the medicine? And maybe it's even something you're learning about in your apprenticeship, speaking to these experiences in a way that honors the indigenous traditions. What do the indigenous people? that you have had contact with directly or not directly, what is the guidance there that you have experienced? Because it's so easy to come from the outside and say, well, you know, your shaman needs to be from there. It needs to be, they need to speak this language, but there's so many different ways that it can be passed down. And, you know, the person we have sat with is not originally indigenous, but they have studied that way. So what have you learned about being respectful and at the same time intuitive with who the right teacher for us is? So firstly
1: with respect to being respectful, it's before speaking at all about plant medicine that co-creative prayer of let what I speak about talk about express around this experience be in highest alignment with what is intended to come through this pathway of plant medicine. So really opening up to being a vessel for honoring the medicine and, you know, i.e. let my words be merged with spirit and not my own. So pausing, like if you are active in the field of plant medicine, you're starting to have people come to you um, and ask you, perhaps invitation to pause before you go into telling them all about your dieta and your hape and everything and and pausing and being in prayer with the divine and asking how divine would you like for me to share about this field and this medicine with this particular
0: person? Because it's not about us. (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, we could take this into anything, into any experience. I remember when I came back from a pilgrimage to India with our teacher, which is how we met Harshida Wagner, who was also a guest on this podcast. Um, When I went on a pilgrimage to India with him and I came back and I had experienced oneness for the first time in my life, I felt beauty of nature and creation in a butterfly and in myself in the same way. And I remember coming back and as we were starting to speak about integration and sharing it, one piece of advice that he shared with me that I still carry with me is people will ask you, how was your trip to India? And you say, no, great, great. And then if they, they might not ask you anything else and just go on with your life and carry those gifts you received in your heart and just radiate that through your being. But if they ask you more, you can go there, but wait for the invitation Because otherwise, if we just start spilling those sacred divine downloads in a space that is not prepared or aligned, then we're just channeling our energy, not in a productive way where it could be amplified. Exactly. So I kind of want to speak to an ayahuasca experience of what that's actually like, if that's a place you want to go, or we can go deeper into the four invitations of grief, or we can do both. Yeah, I'm I'm totally open to
1: I feel like one kind of birthed the other. So I'm happy to, to speak to what if there are particular things you want to ask me about the experience,
0: I'm happy just to speak to a traditional Aya experience. Let's go into inviting the divine to share through you, Jasmine as a vessel, any other lessons that have come forth for you and your experience through working with the plant medicines as they might relate to the listener on the other side of this virtual multidimensional space that we're all in simultaneously. Yes. So,
1: I think just reiterating what I shared earlier about coming into my wholeness, which is such a a an enduring invitation with plant medicine is letting go of all the attachments and identities that are not at the heart level and coming into the fullness and the wholeness that has always been true of you has been one of the greatest lessons, if you will, that I've received through this journey, this ever unfolding journey. And this is part of what big part of what I do and what I offer in my work as an integrative grief guide is really bringing people into the truth that grief is part of the whole. We have such such an intense aversion to grief and the reality is that when we shut down on our grief, we shut down on life. And when we can remember or at least choose to practice remembering that grief is part of the whole, we can start to thaw out the places of our heart and those stories that have been frozen through trauma or grief. You know, the etymology of the word trauma, um, as I le- learned through Gabor Mate, is, it means wound. So this is all work of healing the grief, and i.e. the burdens and the wounds, and remembering that there's wholeness, even and especially in the midst of feeling broken. You know, most people don't, just they don't come into this place of inquiry with plant medicine because everything is going amazingly well. You know, there's, there's a, a level of humility that's bringing you kind of onto the knees of your heart into this, like, okay, maybe there's something here for me because I've got a lot of fires that I need to put out or whatever the case may be. But yeah, it's wholeness. Grief is part of the whole continually integrating with that. And the truth that it's all an invitation to co-create with the divine, how we drink our water, how we make our food, how we look at each other, especially now as we're just seeing each other at an eye level, like how do we look at each other's eyes? How do we hold space for ourselves? It's all an invitation to co-create with the divine.
0: And with that, I also want you to, what you have done for me is to redefine what grief is. So I used to think that grief is, you know, a major loss in family, physical abuse or something really massive. But at the, yes, it's definitely that. And it's also a letting go of a company you'd started, you know, transforming your brand, closing down a program, whatever that is, all of that uh, can be an invitation to alchemize any sort of letting go can be viewed as grief and that all can be invitation to alchemize into presence and joy. What I know you speak about this so eloquently. So can you address that a little bit? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So what you have just spoken to is really the spectrum of grief. And
1: if you think of grief, if you're open to thinking of it on a spectrum, A lot of times, as you said, Ksenia, so many people associate grief with death. So in so doing, they dismiss so much of the everyday grief. So of course, on one side of the spectrum, we do have the really profound grief that comes through death and physical loss and many other things. And then, you know, at the other side of the spectrum, the roots of where grief um takes place are simply at unmet expectations. So unmet expectations, unexpected transitions, identity changes, and think about that. Think of all of the expectations that we probably brought into 2020. And then, you know, for those of us that are in the States, March is really when COVID hit. And how, how much did, how much have we had to deal with unmet expectations, the expectation of our kids being in school, of having an office to go to, of having a job, whatever it is. And that is all very significant grief. So my work is in honoring and seeing the people that I support um, wherever they are on the spectrum. And one of the things that I teach and remind people of is that in the same way that comparison is the thief of joy, comparing our grief is the thief of presence with healing our grief. So I have, you know, held circles where we have people who are grief circles um, for people who are dealing with recent parental loss, job loss, and also pet loss, and they're all in the same circle, and they all have medicine for each other. And that, to me, is one of the most beautiful parts of of serving people in in healing their grief, is that everybody's grief story has medicine for each other. And when we can just release that tendency that we have to compare and really remembering that our grief is as unique as our fingerprint. So everybody is on their own healing journey. And when we share our grief, especially in in circles, we're sharing our courage. And that is not often the way that we think about About grief is that it's more often the story of, oh God, if I share this, not only am I going to reburden myself, I'm going to reburden this person that I really hoping will love me. Instead of, you know, courage is all about the heart and trusting that if you're meant to share a an aspect of a grief that you're experiencing with someone, that you're meant to share it. So that's kind of a, a snapshot of the different ways that I invite my clients into seeing their grief. You know, miracles are all about as A Course in Miracles teaches and Marianne Williamson has so beautifully devoted her life to being a vessel for their teachings. Miracles are all about a shift in perspective. And that is what I bring my clients into doing is to shifting the perspective that they have around grief from this burdensome, terrible experience that I'm never going to climb my way out of into exhaling. Okay, this is all as painful as it may be right now. This is all an invitation to growth and transformation.
0: Now, would you walk us through the four invitations of grief so that we can get a taste of the work that is so powerful?
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to. So the Four Invitations is a framework that I received as a spiritual download. It's funny because I'm sitting <laughs> in my meditation chair and I received it in this, in this room in January of, of 2019, I guess. Um, so I, I really ask for a simple and sacred framework through which to support my clients and community in navigating the spectrum, their unique spectrum of grief. So, you know, you ultimately, like with any sort of modality, you make it your own. But the invitations are meant to support you in navigating the ebb and flow of grief. As anyone who is in the midst of or who has been through grief knows, grief is not linear. And we heal one heart layer at a time. The first invitation is the invitation to pause. So remembering that pause is an action step. It's a step back into the direction of our hearts, giving ourselves permission to be with ourselves, be quiet and still with our hearts. Um, The second invitation is the invitation to breathe. We breathe thousands of times a day and really living alive to the invitation to breathe means we're bringing our awareness into our breath. And into the life force that it is for us, the way that it is not only an anchor for us, but that it is also this technology that we can leverage to transcend the the difficult emotions that are part of the multi-layered, complex emotional experience that grief is. And then the third invitation is the invitation to feel, which. I laugh only because it's this is this is what when we can be friendly with our feelings, it's so often this is what we're avoiding with grief. It's people coming to me, oh, i I know i've I've had this inside of me for ten years, twenty years, however many years. And it's like, what is it that you have inside of you? You have the avoidance to feeling. And yes, there are layers there. But let's bless the avoidance and come into the invitation to feel because as we let our feelings flow through us it's also the invitation to know that the feelings flowing through us is a visual for the way that we're drinking a particular type of medicine that is only ours to drink through the tears, through the anger, through the expression of the things that have been long repressed. And the fourth invitation, you know everybody's grief is as unique as their fingerprint, which I love to think about, and you know, this invitation is the invitation to heal, knowing that because your grief is as unique as your fingerprint, your healing journey is going to be uniquely yours. So it goes back to not comparing, bringing compassion to your grief journey. You know, my grief journey really officially started when I was 15 and my mom died and probably a few years before that, when she received her diagnosis, but it wasn't until, 11 years ago when i was led to the desert in arizona that my grief journey really truly began by my healing grief journey and so grace that grace in remembering that it's all divinely orchestrated and wherever you are on your grief journey now healing is available if you're open to bringing in that perspective shift that your grief is an invitation to growth and that you can pause, breathe, feel, and heal your way into that invitation at any time
0: of any day. I wrote down, bless the avoidance and come into the invitation to feel. It's so powerful, you know, and it speaks back to some of the experiences I've had in plant medicine journeys. There's this side of us that is so ashamed of feeling what we're feeling that it ends up creating this perpetual cycle of not feeling what's there and spending so much energy avoiding. So once we create this space, whether that's through working with an integrative grief guide like yourself, through plant medicine, through circles, or whatever the modality that you are called to is, I think the more we step into those invitations to feel and be seen, in our true feelings, the faster this world will heal each other. Absolutely. And, you know, what is coming to me as you're sharing that is
1: embracing the avoidance can become a pathway to awakening. The avoidance of our feeling, the avoidance of our fear of grief, the avoidance of, of whatever is really present. It's all there for our awakening. If we can have the humility of, of spirit and, and presence of mind to, with courage, go into and embrace the opportunity for awakening.
0: Mm, that is so beautiful. Definitely. It's going to be a quote on Woke and Wired Instagram account. So with that, the final things that I want to get into with you is one has to do with the question of what are you currently co-creating with the divine and what are you excited about? I'm continuing to co-create healing. Healing for me is an
1: ever unfolding path. I I need to be in an active state of healing so that I can support the people that I'm blessed to support in their healing. Um, this is part of how I respect and love myself in my work. So many people who are in positions of support forget. So I'm continually opening to new ways to explore healing and honoring myself, body, mind, and spirit. And really, I'm so excited about this grief as celebration experience and movement that I'm creating with my friend, Yelena, who's the founder of the Confetti Project. And I love, 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 love full circle things. And Yelena was actually the first team member at Thinks. And I think I was the fourth or fifth team member. So she had actually left before I joined the team, but I'd always heard about Yelena. And fast forward a couple of years, she invited me to participate in the Confetti Project, which is her beautiful art kind of mental health project. And, And then she came to a panel that I led a few months ago with Healer Collective on grief. And we have... She lost her father a few years ago, and we've really come together in this grief as celebration. Right now they're circle offerings, um, but we really want to use these circles as a platform to attune those who attend and then um, who will attend in the future to the kind of the fifth invitation, if you will, which is that grief can become an invitation to celebration when you move through, when you move through the invitations and you stay actively in a place of integration with them is how I never would have thought that I'd be leading this circle series with a confetti as part of this healing modality. But what occurred to me as we were preparing for our first circle a few weeks ago is that, you know, we, so often we can't see our feelings, right? We can see our tears if they fall down our cheeks, or we can maybe feel a, a bolt of anger that's long been repressed and finally comes up. But so often it's, they're invisible. And what I love about confetti and creating this series with her is that you, in holding the confetti in your hand, you have this beautiful metaphor for holding your feelings and honoring your feelings and honoring the medicine present within them. So it's, we've done one circle so far and we have three left and there's much more to come from this. But I'm, as you can tell, I'm really. I'm just so excited to see what this vision will lead to and how, through bringing the most unexpected modality of confetti into this circle partnership, how people can explore new ways of healing in the same way that, you know, those new ways of healing can be explored through the field of plant medicine.
0: And it's such a beautiful invitation that I keep experiencing over and over of letting go of. Oh, I have to wear white clothes. Oh, I'm going to purge. Oh, confetti. No, not me. You know, any judgments that we have about any external manifestations of presence and emotions and feelings or how someone else dresses up or shows up and just tapping into what's there and into the resonance that might be there. And that's what you sharing this brought up in me is this reminder to let go of any, anything that's in our way of being with what is really. Yes. Absolutely. That deep identification with the soul and the wholeness of the soul. Okay. So my final question is a big one, so we can go there or we don't have to. It's your choice. But what I'm guided to ask you is how has working with plant medicines impacted your career and what does spirit-led investing look like for you? So... You know, it was through plant medicine
1: that I shed, you know, the through line and all of my work leading up into really fully embracing the hero's journey of being fully aligned with my, my calling as my work. The through line was always mission driven. You know, my first position outside of college was with, I was working with a nonprofit that um, photograph children, many of whom were end of life. So, their families would get these beautiful portrait packages, and those would be some of the last photos that they would have of their child in their last family photos. And so, whether it was that organization or, you know, moving up to, to Thinks, which was a mission driven, period proof underwear company, it was always for me, I always worked in a place where I knew that it was not just about a product. And to your question, It was really through coming into what do I want and who am I called to be in the world that I was able to say, okay, it doesn't matter if I think that so-and-so will respect me more if I stay in this position and I keep climbing the corporate ladder here. It's like what that felt friction is information for me that this this is not my true path. And so tracking my way into what is the next right step to be more on my capital T true path. And plant medicine was truly the catalyst for that for that deepened inquiry. And, you know, I went from in the past few years from the mission-driven startup space to specifically in the menstrual health and hygiene sector to the mental health sector, working with you know, one of the most widely respected psychologists in the world, um, who's has a very beautiful, innovative platform to support people who are navigating the perpetual um, growth opportunity that boundaries present. But it was really, it was like, okay, no, this isn't, I'm really that awareness that I'm still working on another person's dream was what kind of let me exhale into, okay, Jasmine, what, what is it that you're being called to do? and plant medicine gave me that felt presence of of body and then the clarity of spirit to and you have been such a lighthouse for me in this as well always with your like very pointed questions and invitations to remember always that everything is possible and that i didn't you know i've i've been given the information that i have received to serve people right here and right now so is moving with courage into that place of service. And plant medicine was the accelerant for that. And with respect to your question about investing, I I do investing. I don't normally talk about it, but I I love to uh, and I'm grateful to use the gift of seeing that I have to come on board at a small level and support brands that are disrupting and innovating you know i found mudwater at a very early stage <laughs> i was drawn in by their beautiful branding and then their story and you know shane really believes in the healing power of plant medicine so i look for really early stage businesses that are creating the kind of their with their products or with their service, they are contributing to the shift in consciousness that we need. So, Mudwater is one. And then uh, Sphere is another that I'm really excited about. It's a um, tech platform that matches coaches to or guides to those who are seeking coaches. Devin, you had
0: Devin on Woken Wired, so you know all about Sphere. Yep. Yeah, Devin has been a guest, and actually, Mudwater came up yesterday in a podcast I recorded with Michelle of holisticism. So everything is so intertwined. Amazing. Yeah.
1: So those are just two of, of some of the the businesses that I've invested in. But I like to, it's really all about everything is an energetic allocation, right? So if I have some energy that I can allocate into somebody else's vision i i want to make sure that it's also and i do make sure that it's also aligned with my vision so does it shift um, does it contribute to a shift in consciousness is it doing good well in the world is it aligned with my virtues and values and does it respect frankly most importantly does it respect my mother's legacy because these are resources that i've been blessed to allocate um, because of my late mother so everything is ultimately like, how can I make this a prayerful, reverent allocation that respects her legacy
0: as well? You kind of brush through, I know you don't talk about this often, and I so appreciate you feeling safe to do so here. And I know exactly why it was meant to come up, because those pillars that you just shared at the end of what you rely on when choosing projects to invest in, those could really be used, you know, by anyone to choose anything. Choosing your own pillars of values and then looking at any project through that prism of does this align with my values? Does this align with what I'm creating for myself? Does this align with what I'm committed to, to earth and the world? And it's just so powerful and beautiful. And just hearing that, I think, is going to serve as an invitation for myself and for everyone listening to create your own, you know, series of questions or prayers as you decide what to take on and allocate your energy too, whether that's your time, your wisdom, your finances, whatever it is. So thank you for that, Jasmine. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you for the for the question. So as we wrap this up, is there anything, Jasmine, you're called to share to those who, as they've been listening, have become present to their grief? Yeah. So
1: gentleness. Gentleness is, if, especially right now, if maybe this conversation Has brought you into greater presence with the presence of your grief. Invitation to bring the medicine of gentleness into your heart. You know, the heart of the issue with grief is always the heart. So bringing the energy of gentleness and of compassion into your unique grief journey, remembering that grief is a becoming and a deepening into presence, and it is not something
0: that can, nor is it meant to be rushed. Divine timing. So beautiful. Jasmine, thank you so much for this conversation, for all the invitations to create more ritual in my own life and be present to the divine and to the miracles. You've been such a powerful facilitator for that in my life. And thank you for everyone listening for being present, even if it was uncomfortable at times with this conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Ksenia. This is such a
1: an honor to be in conversation with you about this field and the invitations within it
0: if you enjoyed the show please leave a rating and a review on itunes and share it with a friend who you think could benefit from the message find all the show notes and all the resources on and say hello on Instagram. Find me at woke and wired. Stay woke, stay wired and take 3 deep breaths right now.